Welcome to the arena where sometimes the hardest part is showing up. My name is Linda McLaughlin. Thank you for being here. This is part two of my conversation with Miranda Kamal, where we share more of her story and some of mine. Miranda is the head coach and executive director of the Mentoring Junior Kids Organization, or MJKO for short. She's been through a lot. She's a sexual assault survivor, an aspiring competitive boxer who suffered a career-ending back injury. She now dedicates her time to teaching non-contact boxing to young people, helping them learn life skills. Why boxing? It helps train the mind and body. It teaches discipline. It's really hard work and a lot of fun. Thank you for listening. This is episode 21. How many kids are you serving in the community? Our core group of regular students is 25, and then we have 300 Toronto District School Board students. And then we have another 10 kids from, they're a part of the youth justice system. So it's a private class with a mental health agency, and they come and they do a a virtual session as well. We're also serving two foster care agencies west, predominantly kids from Aboriginal backgrounds. So being pandemic times, it's actually shocking how many students we have coming out to utilize the program. It's quite amazing, actually. What's the impact you want to have on the world? I think the main message or the main thing I would like to leave with my athletes and my kids is change and making a difference doesn't have to be grand and it doesn't have to require 10 steps. Creating change could be seeing someone struggling with their groceries and offering, hey, do you live far? Can I carry those for you? It could be seeing a senior isolated at home and stopping by with a book. Or I think for me, it's the impact of human interaction and human kindness is what I would like to leave behind. And I think that if all the people who've ever met me or taken one of my classes, if all of those people could just go back into their own communities and each person do one small thing, I think the world would be a better place. And for me, I don't really care about materialistic things or money, but I do care about how people feel. And I do understand that many people are not given the same opportunities and the playing field is not fair, but we all personally have the ability to make someone's life better and it can be free. It doesn't have to cost anything. And so that's what I would like to leave. And then the other point I would say is to be courageous enough to listen to that little kid inside of you that already knows what you want to do and what you want to be and where you want to be and to have faith that you're okay. And it's okay if the whole world doesn't believe in your goal or your mission or your idea. The only person who has to believe is you. And I always say, who are they anyway? So the people that are often criticizing, the people that are trying to do something different, they themselves have not done that thing. So if you haven't done it, who are you to say? Just listen to that little voice and be rooted in kindness, be rooted in passion. And that's never going to steer you wrong. Never. You're still going to make mistakes and you're still going to do all of those things and you're going to let people down and you're going to hurt people but you're trying. And to your point, that's what it is. It's trying. That's enough. Trying is enough. Any other final thoughts you'd like to share? I will say, even in getting to know you over the last few years, I actually think your own journey for myself is very courageous. 
I think it's very inspiring because I've seen you at this successful company and you did very well. And I see how that also was in conflict with who you were personally. And that it's hard being in that corporate hustle all the time and that nine to five. And then you decided to make a transition. You spend some time working and helping our not-for-profit and other organizations. And then you yourself have gone on this journey. And now, like when I see you in the behind the mic, I'm like, wow, this is like Linda. You've made all these changes. But for me, it's the first time I've seen you. And I think that's courageous in itself, but it's also beautiful because you're such an amazing person. But before you were so busy, I never really got to see that. Your brain, even when you were like way back coming to boxing as a student, your brain was like in stress reliever mode. You were there because you're like, I'm trying to get that energy out. You look fantastic. You look happy. You look healthy. And I think that process to get there, that's courageous. When I think about my own journey, I had all these things happen that forced me. You chose, like choosing to be courageous. That's phenomenal. I didn't choose. These things happened to me and I had to make it fit. I wish I had that courage because when I was in the banking world, I knew the banking world was not for me. But if I hadn't have gone down a path that led to illness or injury, I don't know if I would have been courageous enough. I think we need to interview you to find out how (laughs) did you make that jump from such a successful job to saying, hey, I don't know what's next. Thank you for saying that. I feel like there were signs from outside of me that I needed to pay attention to. When was enough? Because this is something I sometimes struggle with. So do you have a chart that you write down everything and then you're like, okay, you know what? This chart now has enough items for me to make that leap. Or did your brain just one day explode and you're like, I can't do it anymore. Like what led you to your change in careers? The circumstance that propelled me to start the process of blowing up my life, there were three deaths. So in a way, sort of external things that began the process of me listening to that little voice, as you said, and going, no, this is a sign. This is something you need to pay attention to. So the first death was my father's death. He dropped dead of a heart attack, very sudden. And and we weren't very close. And so that comes with its own set of challenges. Yeah. The second one was a woman who was my partner's friend who I didn't know really well. I saw her on occasion and she died of cancer in a really terrible way and took months for her to die. And it was her second round of cancer and it just spread through her body. And from my perspective, and this only makes it truth because it was my perspective of it, not necessarily what her reality was, that she suddenly was trying to do things in her life that she hadn't gotten to. And it's suddenly trying to cram things into your life. Now I'm going to suddenly try and live. I'm going to travel. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to have these experiences. And the sicker she got, the the harder it was on her and all that. And then the third one was another person who dropped out of a heart attack who had some physical ailments that were contributing to it, et cetera, but again, dropped dead of a heart attack and it was a really shocking event. And again, it was someone who maybe wasn't paying attention to the stress that they were under and what that was doing to to them. So three examples of when are you going to wake up? When are you going to address the things in your life that you want to do Mm -hmm. 
and what you're doing to yourself physically. I was very overweight. I was starting to walk with a limp because of inflammation. And I was drinking way too much. And I just thought I was going to die. Like I had gotten to the point where it was like, if I don't do something, I'm going to die. And it's not going to be pretty. And then I went on a meditation retreat, which I had wanted to do for a long time. And it suddenly just popped up in my Facebook feed. And it was happening in 10 days. It was just, yeah, okay, great. I'm going to go. And I did. There was no alcohol and it was vegan food and just shutting everything off, turning off my phone. And after the first day of being there, having arrived with the question of what am I going to do? Yeah. After being silent for a day or so, the answer came, which was, I have to leave the business. That's what I think is so cool about life is that to your point, if we can pause long enough to listen, we usually have the answers that we're looking for. But sometimes we want to plan it to death or organize to death. But sometimes it's that moment of stopping. Mm -hmm. Then the internal voice becomes so loud, you can't ignore it. You know, in a way, you're looking for the signs, you're looking for the messages that are out there that are happening around you. And if you're Mm -hmm. attuned to it, and one can say, oh, you're just interpreting it the way you want to. But I I do believe, uh, yeah, I do believe (laughs) it. There are lessons to be learned, which is why I'm doing this podcast. I think other people's stories are rich with opportunity for you to hear something, maybe for the first time or in a new way to make you go, huh, that's really close to my own story. What does that say? <laughs> you know, even for you, what would you tell? Because now I know you're doing a little coaching, professional coaching. If you were coaching yourself, let's say 10 years ago, would you have given yourself any other advice? Or would you say, this is your journey and this is a part of the process? Like, how would you have coached yourself 10 years ago? I think, as you had said, listening to yourself yeah. and listening to that voice that had cropped up. Before, when you and I first met, I was in a place where, again, I had made some changes in my life and I was trying to get on a healthier path than I was for for quite a while. And training with you was phenomenal. I dropped 50 pounds and I was in a good place. And then I stopped listening to the voice in my head for a while. But what causes that? That's what I would like to know. I think it's comfort. I think there's a degree of comfort where you want to yeah, it's a good life. And it's like, why would you want to create more upheaval again? And oh, it'll get better. And oh, it's not so bad. And it's, it's giving me opportunities. Oh, we went to Hawaii and well, we did this yeah. and well, we did that. And you just get into your pattern and certainty is a really seductive is it? place, <laughs> right? It so is. And having to scratch and claw and fight all the time is hard. It is hard. Our society is very supportive of fitting into a track. And so I had an Instagram life, right? I had pictures from holidays and from traveling for work and all that stuff. But I go back and I I look at my Facebook feed now as it pops up 10 years ago. And there are things where I know what that was about. To be honest, my biggest fear with the young people today, because anybody can have a perfect life on social media and have the best clothes and drink the best wine and travel to the coolest places. But what are they feeling underneath all that? And I think I really took something from what you said when the lady who had cancer, you said she was trying to pack in all her years of living. And what you know we see now is 
people are presenting, but they're not living. So instead of being in that moment of living in dinner with a friend or coffee or going for a bike ride, we're filming it. So it's you're the viewer instead of living. And I think in terms of my own journey and where I'm at and all of the hardships that have come, I don't want to be a viewer. I want to live. I want to be doing and life is not guaranteed. And I think the pandemic has also shown that even if you have that cushiony office job, like people who've been at their job for 20, 30 years have been laid off. So I hope that wakes up a whole bunch of inner voices to say, why not now? Start living now. You don't have to wait. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to have this storybook, perfect life to start doing the things that make you happy. When I get to my last day, I hope all my friends and family know that I've lived an amazing life. There's nothing on my bucket list that I'm like, I really wanted to do that, but I didn't get to do it. There's obviously more goals to chase and more things that I want to do, but I feel lucky to be like living and living with all its faults, making mistakes, not being perfect, having those ups and downs, but to be living. And I think when you ask me like, oh, what's the the thing I'd like to leave behind? I think it more so it would be that to just live, like live and do all of the things that you want to do to the best of your ability and let all the rest go. It's like blue skies, man. Let it go. Thank you so much for doing this. It's always amazing to have a conversation with you. And I've always come away feeling so inspired. Love you very much. I love you too. And I'm so glad to be honest that for me, it's so nice to see the transition. And I wish more people that are a little bit older would see that, you know what, it's not that bad. Like it's scary. Yes. But the reward from the inside out is so much, it's like radiating. You can't hide it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's all the different things that you're up to right now. It's like, you can see the change and you can see the goodness that you're trying to bring to the world. And I think that's phenomenal. And I mean, I'll do anything for you, anything you need. I'll always, you know, I'll always do it. Thank you. And how can people reach out to support what you're doing through MJKO? Yeah, so we are uh, Ontario Registered Charity. So there's a few ways in terms of if you want to make a financial contribution, you can go directly to our website. So mjko.ca, there's a big donate now button. You can also go to Charity Helps if you're more familiar with that organization. So they facilitate donations. Believe it or not, when you have those options to have birthday fundraisers on Facebook, we do Mm -hmm. get that money. So that's a great way. And then also like old school, you can even just mail us a check, which believe it or not, during the pandemic, I've been getting checks in the mail from just people who want to do good. We also run a food program. So we feed 125 families every Saturday. We're always looking for support in terms of we have a food partner, but other things like feminine products, we have 50 seniors, many that have mobility issues. So if people have old uh, diapers for seniors, that's something we also try to give out a lot of hats, mittens. We do serve about 25 people in the community that would be considered vulnerable or experiencing homelessness. Some things like good quality winter boots, good quality jackets. We take in limited amounts. And then if there's people at home that have a skill that want to volunteer from the comfort of their home, we're always looking for support in terms of back end marketing, graphic design. We have a boxing brand. So how to get our brand to some more places to generate revenue because all of our programs, they are free to the end user. Wow. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. I hate it when you say that, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'll keep saying it until you believe it. Oh my God. My head is just like, what is she saying? Thank you. 
I know I didn't really answer Miranda's question about what I would tell myself 10 years ago. I think when I got myself into shape 10 years ago, I still saw the same person in the mirror. I hadn't really addressed my underlying mindset. I had simply changed the external factors of diet and exercise. So when the challenges in my life began mounting, my old mindset was ready to take over and put me right back to the beginning. Without dealing with the mental and spiritual aspects of change, the physical changes were temporary. Now, when I look in the mirror, I see the real me. For me, they are integrated, inside and out. I still struggle at times, but I know what I am capable of. I rely on that during the hard days to believe in the blue skies. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. And if you feel someone else might benefit from listening to this episode, please share it. Leave a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I invite you to follow my blog, where I continue to explore how to show up more courageously. Visit my website at www.lindamclaughlin.com. I look forward to sharing my next guest story as he starts a personal challenge of 100 days of courage. Until next time, my name is Linda McLaughlin in the arena.